Welcome to episode 74 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, a hiker, a horse, and a cyclist walk into a bar. Is there a punchline or is there a trail protocol? On the top five list, you'll learn why titanium isn't just for aircraft. Then on the Summit Gear Review, we'll review a water bottle that has all the right features. For today's backpack hack of the week, a simple compostable cutting board and food prep area. And we'll wrap up the show with a guy who cannot stop talking about how beautiful the wilderness is. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. About a year ago, we took a family day hike at Milo McIver State Park in Oregon. And uh, we were out on the trail, got to this point where I saw, I think I saw a spider web up above me. Yeah. You know, kind of centered over the trail. And I thought, oh, that would be cool to get a picture of. So I stopped and uh, held our camera up at arm's length you know, pointed at the spider web and, and was trying to get it to focus on that, you know, just the fine strands of the spider web, make sure that my picture would come out okay. And, and I was kind of unaware of some sounds coming from behind me. Commotion, I guess you could say. I think all the rest of the family noticed it before I did. Yeah, we were on the other side of the trail and you were just standing there waiting to take the picture. And all of a sudden, we heard people yelling at us. Yeah, and I was completely oblivious because I'm focused on this picture that I'm taking. So finally, it sort of caught my attention. And they were saying, Excuse me, sir. (laughs) Okay, well, that's the way our kids like to tell it anyway. (laughs) Our kids retold this story for months. Excuse me, sir. We're coming through now. Please put your arm down. You'll scare the horses. Anyway, so it was a couple ladies on horseback who were directing me to get out of the trail to yield the right-of-way to them so they could walk by. Not only that, but my arm raised up above my head was threatening to their horses. Now, this was our first experience with seeing horses on the trail. I don't think we've ever been on a trail before where we've shared it with horses, like ever. Yeah, I can't think of a time. Yeah, And so to have that be our first experience with horses and riders and have it be kind of um, a not maybe a good representation of all equestrians. Yeah. Usually when you think about right of way on the trail, you think um, two people are coming from opposite directions, say a hiker and someone on horseback, and they see each other coming towards each other. And the protocol says who should stop and move off to the side of the trail while the other passes. But this situation was kind of different. I was stopped. I just happened to be in the middle of the trail with my back turned to the ladies coming up on horseback. Right of way can kind of be a tricky issue on the trail. Trails are shared spaces. And so you have hikers. On a lot of trails, you have hikers and cyclists. On other trails, you have hikers, cyclists, and horses. There could even be motorized vehicles allowed on the trail. You may have llamas on the trail. You could have dogs. 
You could have a lady hiking with her cat. There are all sorts of people who use the trails. Unfortunately, there are some rules for right of way. Hopefully these will help you on your next hike. So Josh, what happens when you encounter other hikers on the trail? When it's hikers versus hikers, usually the hikers that are coming up the hill get the right of way. So if you're the hiker that's higher up and you're coming downhill, you usually see those uphill hikers a lot easier than they can see you. You can find a good spot to get off to the side of the trail and let them trudge their way up past you and then you can take off running down the hill again. Also, I guess if you have people passing you from behind, it's nice to kind of step off and let them go past you. Yeah, and usually when we run into groups of hikers, you know, say there's half a dozen people in a row, uh, it just seems a lot easier, regardless of the uphill or downhill, for just the one or two of us to step off to the side and let the entire group pass. And of course, hikers are a super friendly bunch, so don't be surprised if you encounter these situations where uh, you step off to the side and that entire group of six people coming the other direction also steps off to the side. (laughs) And then you get to do that little dance to decide, you know, who gets to go past. So what happens when you encounter cyclists or mountain bikers? Who has the right of way and how should that be handled? So the rule is that cyclists are supposed to yield to hikers. However, if I see a cyclist who's having a really fun time coming down that trail at 15 miles an hour, I'm going to be the one to step off to the side of the trail and let them whiz on by and have fun. Yeah, a lot of hikers get rattled by having a cyclist zoom by, and they're not trying to scare you or irritate you. They're just trying to cover miles, just like you are. They happen to pick a more efficient mode of transportation. Can't fault them for that. (laughs) No, that's great, but we can share the trail. So what happens when you encounter horses? When horses are involved, everyone yields to them. So... Bikers yield to hikers, but bikers and hikers both yield to horses. Horses are a tricky animal. They get spooked easily, and even something as simple as seeing a hiker go down the trail with a huge pack on can really unsettle a horse. If you can turn around and face the horse, they can see that you're a person, and that helps them to be a little more calm. And maybe the best thing to do if you see a horse and a rider approaching is to ask, Where do you want me to stand? Treadlightly.org says that often a hiker's instinct is to step to the high side of the trail to let the horse pass, but a horse is less likely to spook at hikers who are not looming above him. So So step to the low side. Or just ask, ask the rider. Don't ask the horse. He won't say anything. But ask the rider, where would you like me to stand? So why can't we just ask horses to get counseling to get over this issue? Get over it. That's harsh. Okay, you're right. Which brings us back to that experience a year ago. I think what gnawed at me the most was that if the ladies on horseback had come up and simply stopped for a moment to assess the situation, they would have been able to see that I was taking a picture and that in a matter of 10 seconds or whatever, I would be done taking the picture and then they could get my attention. We could have a friendly hello. I already knew the rules. I would have stepped off to the side to let them go by. But being sort of, uh, you know, ambushed from behind, I think, was what left that bad feeling uh, with me. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Did you ever get that picture of the spider web? I don't think it came out very good. I was very close to getting it, but it was all about the focus. Of course, the spider web was probably gone after the horses went through. 
So just because these rules of etiquette are set up doesn't mean that everyone's going to follow these rules. And it also doesn't mean that we have the right to enforce these rules. This isn't like a vigilante kind of thing where you're out there. Yeah, doing citizens' arrests. <laughs> citizens' <or something>. arrests. <laughs> but they're just, these rules, the protocol, are meant to promote peace and safety and order on the trail. And we really hope that by promoting simple trail etiquette that we'll all be able to continue to use these trails together. For today's top five list, we'll be talking about the top five benefits of titanium. It has nothing to do with right-of-way. I love that about our show. <laughs> Sometimes it's just kind of this melting pot of random backpacking information because we base the show on things that I'm interested in at that moment, the things that I'm researching. And so, you know, every once in a while, every what, every beginning of the month, we'll have a really focused episode on one topic. But everything else is just kind of a hodgepodge of random backpacking ideas. You love old shows and old movies. And I think when you were planning this podcast... You kind of took your cue from the old variety shows. Oh, really? That, that's my thought. <laughs> and you just, yeah, it's just kind of a potpourri of topics. Well, it smells good. Well, titanium has become the darling of the trail. Backpackers love titanium. And there's good reason for that. It's also kind of a strained relationship. Because while titanium is so, so great, it's also so, so expensive. So what makes titanium cool? What makes it worth taking on the trail? The number one benefit of titanium on the trail is excellent corrosion resistance. Titanium is more resistant than any other metal to stuff that's corrosive, like salt water and, you know, acid rain, stuff like that. Alien goo. That too. Aluminum is also fairly corrosion resistant, but not as resistant as titanium. Yeah, and if you've ever had a piece of equipment or a knife that was stainless steel and it started to get rust on it, you'll understand why titanium is so amazing. It's much more resistant than any other metal to that corrosion. The number two benefit of titanium on the trail is that it is completely safe. Titanium is inert in the human body, which is why it's used in things like... Medical implants. And yeah, the stuff that goes inside of you. Yeah. Iron lungs. If they had used titanium... <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, no. Yeah. Iron lungs are not implants. <laughs> Shoot. Now I just look dumb in front of a whole bunch of people. <laughs> well, titanium is non-toxic to humans and animals. It also doesn't leach. If you've ever used a stainless steel water bottle and noticed that there was a slight metallic taste to it, you're not going to have that with titanium. Titanium's number three benefit is that it's lightweight. And I think this is the one that everyone thinks of when they think titanium for backpacking. It is 45% lighter than steel, and it is stronger than aluminum. So when we say that it's 45% lighter than steel... Basically, what we're saying is that if you take a piece that's the same thickness and the same size, the strength comparison between titanium and steel will be pretty much on par, but the titanium will be 45% lighter, so it's half the weight to get that same strength out of a piece of material. And when we say that it's stronger than aluminum, what we're saying is that if you take the same amount of material of aluminum and titanium, they'll actually weigh a similar amount. Aluminum is also pretty light. 
but the titanium will be much stronger than the aluminum. So the strength of steel and the lightweight of aluminum. And the price of gold. Yes, that too. <laughs> well, the number four benefit of titanium is that it's great for boiling water. Titanium pots are ideal for boiling water because they can be made with very thin walls. And that means that the heat goes directly through those walls into the water. Now, it's not so great for other applications. Uh, as we've talked about before, it's not great for dry baking. The pan will warp. And titanium is not bulletproof. So if you treat it rough, you're going to have gear that looks like a group of three-year-olds took it to Navy SEALs training. So you still have to treat your titanium really gently. Yeah, see, here's the thing. Titanium has a reputation for being super strong while being lightweight at the same time. And so I think we get this misconception that it is super strong. Well, the reality is that manufacturers of backpacking gear are taking advantage of the properties of titanium by making it super, super thin. So it's super, super light, and it's just average strong at that point. And the number five benefit of titanium is that it's easy to find. Titanium is the seventh most common element on the earth, so there's a good chance you have it in your backyard. Yeah, it's just the extraction process is kind of expensive. It's the fourth most common metal on earth. Wow. Well, you can easily find things that are made of titanium specifically for backpacking. So that includes things like chopsticks, potty trowels, pots, knives, carabiners, pot grabbers, all made with titanium. Evernew America has a great line of titanium cookware. We reviewed the Evernew Thai nonstick pot uh, back in episode 71. Vargo is a company that is leading the pack with their incredible titanium backpacking gear. I talked with Chad at Vargo and he said that the owner is an avid backpacker and comes up with two or three ideas a year that he immediately implements and puts into his line of products at Vargo. So if you're really just in love with titanium, go check out Vargo and see all the new things that they're coming up with. In fact, the the oddest one of all, like that I'm still trying to wrap my head around, is the titanium-infused shirt. Another item that they have at Vargo that's really popular is the titanium bot. Bot is like bottle plus pot. You can use it as a water bottle, and it has a watertight lid, but then you can also use it to cook with as a pot. Now the downside, as we talked about before, is that titanium is expensive, and the price of titanium has been going up lately. Like we mentioned before, you do have other options. Stainless steel is an option. It's cheap, but it is heavier than titanium. And then aluminum is also another option. It's lightweight and cheap, but it's a little bit softer, a lot softer than titanium. Titanium really is strong, lightweight, and expensive. So if you want to spend the extra, then you'll get some great heirloom gear that will most likely outlast you. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Avex Free Flow Auto Seal Water Bottle. Many backpackers bring their personal water bottles on the trail, and while water bottles tend not to be super light, they do have the benefit of being extremely durable, and then they're an item that can go from desk to home to trail. And as I'll share in the trial portion of the Summit Gear Review, there is an unexpected benefit to bringing your favorite water bottle on the trail, even though it may not be the lightest option out there. And before we get started on the review, I wanted to kind of talk about Avex as a company because it's not a really well-known company. 
like a lot of people know about Camelback and Nalgene, but Avex seems like is just now starting to get traction. And really, of all the water bottles that I've used, this one is my go-to water bottle. So as far as structure goes, this is a plastic water bottle that is 100% BPA-free. It's impact-resistant plastic, so it's really meant to last, and it has a lifetime warranty, which is awesome. And it has some really great features that make it my go-to water bottle. It has a unique mechanism that makes it really easy to drink. It's called the auto seal button. You know, everyone has to have their special registered trademark patented name for things. This one's called auto seal. So it's just a button that you push and it opens up the hole that you drink out of. Then when you let go of the auto seal button, it automatically seals between sips to eliminate spills. This water bottle has a cross bolt lock on it that will prevent that button from being accidentally pushed. Is that kind of like the trigger lock on a gun? Yeah, I guess so. That's probably where they got their inspiration from. It does have a high flow rate spout, which I really liked as compared with a Nalgene where you just have this big wide mouth that you're drinking out of. I really liked having just the perfect size hole that put out the perfect amount of water. And as far as ergonomics goes, it really was easy to use. When you're holding the water bottle, the button that you push is in the right spot, the hand grip is in the right spot, and it has a rubberized lid that prevents your hand from slipping while you're drinking. The Avex Free Flow also has the same mouth size on the bottle, so not the part that you drink out of, but the actual bottle, and it has the same threading as the Nalgene Wide Mouth bottle, which makes it equally functional and comparable to the Nalgene. Now, there's one thing to watch out for when you're drinking out of this water bottle, and it's gotten me more than once. So you put some water in your water bottle, and then you head up into the mountains to go hiking, and you forget that you've gained 10,000 feet in elevation. And so you go to take your first drink of water out of your water bottle. You tip it up to your mouth and you push the auto seal button. And what happens? <laughs> it forces the water out <laughs> into your mouth like a fire hydrant because the bottle is pressurized. The same thing could happen if you fly in an airplane, yep, you know, go me. through security, <laughs> then fill up your water bottle at those nifty drinking fountains that tell you how many plastic water bottles have been <laughs> saved. And then you hop on the airplane and you get up to 30,000 feet and you go to take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so I recommend developing a habit. When you're about to drink out of this water bottle, push the button with the bottle right side up first and that'll let any pressurized air escape. Then put it up to your mouth and push the button to drink out of it. Ah, thanks for the tip, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> for mass, this water bottle is heavier than a Nalgene by about 2.3 ounces. So it weighs 8.7 ounces, and you'll just have to decide for yourself if the features are worth the weight. This bottle is 11.2 inches tall and 3.5 inches wide, which makes it more slender than a Nalgene which makes it easier to fit in your pack. And what's the capacity of this bottle? This bottle is a one liter water bottle. Okay, so it's gonna be slimmer, but taller than an Algene. And one thing that this model doesn't have is the graduated marks. So add your own, maybe? Ah, good idea. I smell a backpacking hack. Oh, it's not this week's hack, but it could be our bonus hack. As far as maintenance goes, in the past, my old water bottles, specifically my Camelback, would get black mold in the straw and in the mouthpiece, and it was virtually impossible to clean. So with this Avex, it actually has some really fun features that make it completely cleanable. 
So you unscrew the AVEX lid and look underneath that lid and you'll notice that you can kind of pop out the mechanism that makes it so you can drink the water. It's the, the auto seal mechanism. Um, it completely drops down. It doesn't come all the way out, but it drops down and it means that you can put that on the top rack of your dishwasher and it can be cleaned thoroughly. I will note along with maintenance that the auto seal mechanism won't work if it's frozen. However, if you're thirsty, you can still open the water bottle by just unscrewing the lid. Investment for the AVEX Free Flow Auto Seal Water Bottle. I'm just realizing that's a bit of a tongue twister. It is. I bet they just call it AVEX Free Flow back at the office. Yeah, or the double F. Oh, yeah. AVEX Free Flow. Yeah. Well, anyway, investment is $17 and it has a lifetime warranty. The AVEX Free Flow is my go-to water bottle and it's going to come with me on future backpacking trips simply because I use the water bottle at home. It's become a comfort item and I think every backpacking trip needs a comfort item and this one happens to be utilitarian. I love it. It's kind of funny that a water bottle is a comfort item but I was reflecting back to our Mount Hood trip and remembered that I brought two water bottles with me. One of them was the Smart Water Disposable Water Bottle, and I got that one because it was ultra lightweight. But then I also brought my then favorite water bottle from home, which was my 0.75 liter Camelback Eddy. It wasn't a decision that was based on weight, but on familiarity and comfort. So the Smart Water Bottle ended up holding my cooking water, and my old Camelback was my primary drinking bottle. So I don't know if anyone else is like that, if they carry, you know, like just their favorite water bottle, but I liked having my old water bottle with me. Over the past year, I've been using Avex water bottles and just felt like this specific water bottle was the perfect mix of features that worked for me. It's slender, it doesn't leak, it locks closed, and it's really easy to hold on to. It's a fantastic design. And Josh is still more of a an algene guy, and that's okay. I am. Two Nalgenes <laughs> in my pack, and off I go. Uh, you know, bonus points if they're the same color. <laughs> I can see why you really like the Avex. I mean, I was just thinking, the Nalgene is pretty large diameter, so for me to hold it and drink out of it, it's okay. I can see how the, the Avex is a lot more comfortable for you to hold with that more narrow form. But I think I'm still sticking with the Nalgenes. And I'm going to stick with the Avex. For today's backpack hack of the week, a compostable cutting board and food prep area. Now, typically we don't do a lot of food prep on the trail because there's nowhere to really wash your hands. You can't really touch raw meat. You don't bring your chef's knife with you. It's just you're trying to make food prep as easy as possible. But every once in a while, you want to bring along something special, like some fruits and vegetables, because it's going to be a short trip. So if you do bring along food that needs to be sliced, diced, or grated, it helps to have a simple food prep area. And it's even better if that food prep area is compostable. So all you'll need are a few cheap, uncoated paper plates stashed in your food bin. You can cut up your green pepper, you can slice a few hunks of Asiago cheese without getting them all covered in Mother Nature's seasoning. Paper plates are cheap, they're durable when they need to be, and compostable or burnable when you're finished. 
And as a bonus hack, if you're going to be doing some sandwich prep, you know, you need kind of a large counter space to do work on, it might help to also bring some waxed paper so that you can have a place to set out everything. Wax paper also does double duty as a trendy serving platter. Kind of gives you that, that frosted glass look. Really nice. Everyone will say wow. Wow. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, John Muir. He said, The clearest way into the universe is through a forest wilderness. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. The number one benefit of stainless steel on the trail is that it has, what, stainless steel? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're shaking your head. No. No. <laughs> no. And it's titanium. I already said that. <laughs> Serious broken record. Maybe I shouldn't say that. That's super rude. <laughs>